This is Sunday morning worship service here at the Pine Level Pentecostal News Church with our senior pastor, Farrell Hardison, bringing the message today, part one of Do Not Worry. We'll be talking out of Matthew, Genesis, and John. We'll start off with the Pine Level Pentecostal News Church praise team and the Pine Level Choir. Here is David. God loves to, to hear you praise him and worship him. Every praise is to our God.
go back. Amen. Thank you. 
crippled man was carried, brought to Jesus by his friends. He heard this healer was in town. But with the crowd around the door that day, they had to find another way. So they tore off the roof to let him down. And they said, there is a healer in your upon this man great faith there was seen he said your sins I forgive them all and with the voice that would set him free he spoke He's in your presence now. As your faith is rising up, there is healing coming down.
twist your arm like we did your chicken leg. Amen. Y'all are good over there in that corner. I'm telling you. I believe I could sing by myself and y'all would make me sound good. I ain't heard amen in the house. They know you're good, but they don't think you're that good. (laughs) Amen. Good job, choir, and good job, congregation. If you want a lot out of a service, put something in the service. Amen? Amen. Uh, We have some very special guests with us today. And Miss Doris Moore is sitting back there. Miss Doris, God bless you. So good to see you. Wave at me so everybody know who you are. Amen. Y'all give her great honor today. She is worthy of great honor. And I'm telling you, she's a mess too. I like that about her. She's a mess. She'll tell you something. She's got a sense of humor. I like people with a sense of humor. I know I don't have much of one, but I like people that do. Miss Jean Campbell is with her, and that's her daughter. And she's got Wayne, her husband, sitting right beside her there, the Campbells. And uh, amen. <laughs> Wayne, I'm surprised they didn't turn you into a moor. <laughs> Thank y'all for coming today. Thank y'all for being here, being with us. And uh, I was, uh, Karen is back. God bless you, girl. Glad you're black. Were you here last Sunday? You weren't here last Sunday. I don't think so. And Florence, it's always better when you're here. It's always better. And I'm glad to see you. Y'all didn't get me no chicken, but that's fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm telling you what I'm going to do. Next year I'm going to get in line just like everybody else. And I'm going to get my, because y'all sell out before I get mine every time. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. It was, man. And look, that sauce that uh, that Flo makes, you could pour it on gravel out of your driveway and you, it would be good. It would be good. Especially if you lay them rocks on the grill and let a little smoke get on them. I'm telling you right now. I know, I know my deacons are like, simmer down, Pastor. Simmer down. Uh, but it is good. I, I love to come to church when everybody's smiling and everybody's joyful. And I like to, uh, I remember when I was at the bridge those 27 years, I'd walk through and uh, some Sundays I'd look at my administrator and say, there's joy in the house today. Let there always be joy in the house of the Lord. Now listen, bring your burdens, bring your burdens. And those of you who are not carrying a heavy burden, we minister to those who are. But joy is what attracts the lost. Joy is what surprises lost people about us, that no matter what the circumstances, we're full of joy. Amen? Amen. And I want to thank you for the offering I know you're going to give today and the tithes. We appreciate every penny you give. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity of worshiping you by giving, by being generous, a little portion, really, uh, when we compare it to all you do for us. You only ask for a little bit back. And then you say, you promise that if we'll give that little bit, you'll bless us some more. 
And so that's a pretty good deal, Lord, and we'll take it. And we thank you, thank you, thank you for your goodness to us. And bless us now as we worship you in our giving. In Jesus' name, amen. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. T'was grace that called my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear, the hour I first believed. My chains are gone, I've been set free, my God, my Savior, has ransomed me, and like a flood, His mercy reigns, unending love, amazing my chains are gone, I've been set free, my God, my Savior, has ransomed me, and like a flood, His mercy reigns, unending love, amazing song and I love that new part they put in there amen beautiful beautiful it's all about the grace of God that he loved us even though we were unlovable he loved us thank God for that aren't you glad about that I would like to say um, happy birthday to the first lady Miss Millie she's 39 again and happy birthday to Miss Millie she's uh She's with her birthday present, that grandson of ours. That's who her birthday present is. And uh, we uh, hate I wasn't able to be with her today, but I certainly do understand. Um, I noticed, and thank you, uh, Joey, for putting it up there. Happy Grandparents Day. I got to tell you all something. In the last two years, that has meant a lot to me. Happy Grandparents Day. How many of you all know why? <laughs> yeah. So all you grandmas and grandpas, if you're able, stand up, would you? All the grandmas and grandpas in the house. Let me get up here, get a little higher than the rest of you. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Hey, give it up for our grandmas and grandpas. I tell you, I love my grandson. I wish I'd had him first, tell you the truth. He's uh he is really something. <laughs> Matthew 634. As we enter into a brand new sermon series today, 
And we're going to use the words of Jesus for the title of our sermon series. Let's read this scripture together. You can see it up on the screen. Follow along with me. Therefore, this is Jesus talking. If you've got a red edition Bible, red letter edition, this should be in red. These are the words of Jesus. Do not worry. Do not worry. Make sure y'all get that. Let's all say that three, those three words together. Do not worry. Now, do I worry? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. And so do you. <laughs> we all worry. Some of us have titles like worry wart. But we worry about everything. And uh, I, I've got my issues with it. I admit it. But let's look at what Jesus said. And let's study why he would tell us to do that. Why he would say, do not worry, when he knows that's that's going to be one of our biggest temptations is to worry. So let's go back and finish that verse. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about its own things. Amen to that. Sufficient is the day it is, is... its own trouble. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Let me read that uh, out of the New Living Translation just for a little bit of clarity. I think you understand what it means, but I'm just going to do this just for a little clarity. Jesus says, so do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Amen to that. Today's trouble is enough for today. You know what the definition of worry is? It is reaching into the future and predicting what might be a problem. You don't know if it will be. You kind of have a feeling it will be, but it hasn't happened yet. You don't know if it's going to happen, but you go ahead and reach into tomorrow, reach into the future, and take what might happen and you pull it into today. And God said, don't do that. Don't do that. And I don't have this in my scripture. I will try to include it next year, next year, next week. (laughs) I might include it next year too. Um, But it says that the human body, the human frame, is not built to handle tomorrow's worries and today's worries. In the book of Psalms, it says that our frame is not made that way. That's why when we do that, we we hurt ourselves physically. We hurt ourselves emotionally. We hurt ourselves trying to bear burdens that aren't meant for us to bear yet and may never be something that will be a problem to us. God said, don't do it. Don't reach into the future and pull possible problems into the present. When you do that, you're doing what is called borrowing trouble. And the interest we pay on the trouble we borrow is worry. And worry isn't good for any of us. It's not good for us. When the Bible says do not worry about tomorrow, it is not saying don't plan for tomorrow. It's not saying don't think about tomorrow. It doesn't say don't consider the future. I think the Bible is actually uh, 
bears out in the scripture that we are to think about tomorrow. We are to plan for the future. As a matter of fact, I believe it's in Luke chapter 14 where Jesus said, suppose you were going to build a building. Before building that building, would you not first sit down and count the cost? And uh, then in another place in Scripture, when it talks about building your spiritual house, it talks about make sure you build it on the right ground. And so there's a lot of planning and a lot of thinking that goes into the future. God wants us to do that. What God doesn't want us to do is not to worry and create problems and dream up problems. I do it. I do it. I'm, I'm not going to get up here and preach to you all that I don't do that. I certainly do it. I lay awake at night sometimes thinking about what could be. And the Lord doesn't want me to do that. The Lord says, Pharaoh, stop doing that. It's not good for you. It's not good for your family. It's not good for your health. It's not good for your state of mind. It's not good for your spirit. You know, we talked about in the earlier part of the message today or, or the service today, joy. Well, I tell you, there's nothing that will steal your joy like reaching into tomorrow and bringing the possible troubles of tomorrow into today. Amen? That'll take you joy. That'll take you joy. And when you don't have joy, you lose your testimony. Your testimony is a powerful uh, I mean, if you tell somebody about Jesus with a sad face, uh, that's not very effective, is it? You know, a, a, lot, of, uh, a lot of Christians uh, just kind of have a sad face. I, I've, I've seen people that uh, have a face so long they could eat peas out of the bottom of a quart jar. Now, that's a long face, isn't it? That's a long face. But God, when we, when we carry a countenance like that, come on, y'all, let's be honest. I know Christians who carry that countenance. They carry it. Um, you, you say, well, I just don't smile a lot. Well, you need to start. Matter of fact, I got to tell you, some of y'all, you know, you always look better when you smile. Some of y'all need to smile a lot. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Just look in the mirror, look at yourself when you don't smile, and look at yourself when you do smile. Let that joy exude, and worry steals our joy. Worry takes our joy. So what I want you to do, how I want you to live, how I want, I, how I want this sermon and series of sermons to change my life and how I want it to change your life, is when we begin to worry, let's remember what God said. Do you know God would never command you to do something you can't do? If God says to Pharaoh Hardison, don't worry, then God will give me whatever I need to not worry. If I'll seek him, seek his strength and power and uh, his Holy Spirit in my life, he will help me not worry. But it's human nature. It's, it's that old sin nature to worry about things. The Bible, again, though, is not against Something being thought out. You need to think things out. It's not, a, it's not against uh, thinking things through in your life. But the Bible uh, tells us in your planning and in your looking at the future, don't create problems that aren't there. Now the Bible wants us to plan. It wants us to think things through. But again, it doesn't want us to worry. And here's why. Jesus says, here's why you don't worry. Here's why I don't want you to worry. I don't want you to worry because today's trouble is enough for today. So I say amen to that. Today's trouble's enough. And I got news for y'all. 
You can get up in the morning and feel pretty good about the day, but that old devil gets to working and your flesh gets to working and there are things that come in the course of the day you weren't expecting. Sometimes they're good. Oftentimes they're bad. So we don't know what the course of the day is going to be like. So for goodness sakes, let's don't reach into tomorrow and get that one too and bring it into today. Every day of our life has plenty of actual real difficulties. Every day does. Every day of our life, without reaching into tomorrow, we assume, we predict troubles that might or might not happen. And I know that what I'm about to say may surprise you, but I want you to understand that the Lord wants you to have difficulties. Stop shouting hallelujah now. I know that's what you want to do when I tell you that. The Lord, the Lord designed it so we would have difficulties. And I want to preach on that this morning. And I want you to receive it. Now, Now, if I wanted to get shouts and hallelujahs and amens, I, I would get up here and tell you something false and tell you you don't ever have to worry and you never will worry. And, and, and uh, I, who was that woman that sung that song about, um, uh, um, I can't remember it right now. But let me see if I, let me sing it and see if I can remember it. No, let's don't do that either. But, uh, oh, I, I remember. Who was it sung? I never promised you a rose garden. All them people. Every one of them sung that. All of them sung that song. I never promised you a rose garden. I believe that song was actually before you, Pastor, before you were here. So, but God wants us to have difficulties. He wants us to struggle because it is struggling that causes us to know we need him. Now listen, if you never struggled, if you never had any problems, if you never had any disappointments, if you never had life to deal you something that you were not expecting, then you, would, you know what we would do in our, in our human nature? We'd think we didn't need the Lord. We'd think we were fine. We'd say, well, you know, I, I might be, I, I think I'm living in his will, but... I must be living in his will. Everything's fine. Everything's wonderful. But uh, there are a few Christians that think uh, that the only reason God exists is to bless his little darlings. You know, we're his little darlings. And keep us from having any kind of trouble. A lot of people see, see that about God. See, God is not a big Santa Claus. I tell you what God is. He's a good daddy. He's a good father. He's a good father, and a good father lets their children struggle. A good father doesn't rescue their children out of every little problem. That's why uh, it's not good for us to have Liam all the time, because we'd rescue him from every little thing. And, uh, you know, I'm like Jeff Foxworthy. He said he was pulling, he said his daddy put a 700-pound television on a TV tray. Remember them little metal TV trays? He said he'd put a big television. He said, and then I'd go there and start jerking on that uh, table. And Jeff Foxworthy said, uh, my daddy would say, go ahead. Go ahead, pull that thing down on you. You won't do it but one time. You remember, how many of you were raised like that? You know, you got a, you got a nail file, and you're down there playing around a, a, a plug in the wall. And your daddy goes, go ahead. Go ahead. I won't even have to tell you no more not to do it. I was brought up old school. 
My daddy said, you want to learn how to swim? I said, yes, sir. He threw me in the deep end of the pool. Hey, I don't know if you know how or not, but you better learn how real quick. Now, of course, he would have jumped in there with me. But I, I, I think the way children used to be raised, where they had to work, they weren't just handed money, but they had to work. They had chores they had to do. And when they made a bad decision and it caused problems for them, we kind of let them walk through it. Now, we would be there to advise or to help or maybe to pray with them, but you've got to let them understand you made a decision that's putting you through that difficulty you're going through right now. Listen, y'all, we can't rescue them out of every trouble they have. I want to. I remember when my boys were little and they'd come home and tell me some bully had pushed them around and uh, all of that. I mean, I wanted to just jump in the car and go find him and uh, say, this is what you do to a bully and show my son that way, but that wouldn't have been right, would it? And the bully could have been bigger than me. That was another thing I worried about. But I, I wanted to rescue. I remember first time uh, Brandon had a girlfriend break up with him. And uh, I didn't know he even felt the way he did about her and all of that. And I remember he just went through a very, very, very hard time. I, I'd never seen him like that in my life. And I wanted to be mad at her. I didn't know who she was, but I wanted to find out who she was. And I wanted to go tell her how much she had hurt my son. Well, that would have embarrassed him, and, and it would have been the wrong thing to do. So he had to go through that. Am I making any sense up here preaching today? And the Lord is not going to rescue you out of everything. And you know why he's not going to do it? Because he loves you. And he wants you to grow up. If you rescue your children and save your children out of every difficulty they go through because of some terrible decision they made, they'll never grow up. They'll grow up to be 30 and 35 and 40 and 45. I'm right there. Your old children, if you don't let them go through things. And that's how God views us. We're not God's little darlings. God Does God love us? Yes, He does. But He's not going to rescue us from it. He's going to rescue us in it. He's going to leave us in that difficulty and rescue us by teaching us how to walk through a hard Time. Difficulties are actually God's plan for us. They're God's plan. Life's unexpected complications serve a very definite and necessary purpose in our lives. And what I'm going to do today and next Sunday, and I don't know exactly where I'll quit uh, in here, but, but I'm going to give you three reasons why we have problems. Three reasons why we have problems. Now, if, you, if you're sitting there this morning and you walked in and you got problems you don't understand, you ought to be getting your pen and paper out right now because I'm about to tell you three reasons we have problems. Number one, we have difficulties because they provide us with an opportunity to shut the devil's mouth. Who likes that one? They provide us with an opportunity to shut the devil's mouth. Mouth, And I want to use it as an illustration, old Job. How many of y'all remember Job? Might thank you, dear. I hope others do. <laughs> Job, my mom taught a Sunday school lesson one Sunday, and she knew his name as good as I knew his name and as good as you knew his name, and she kept calling him Job <laughs> because that's how it's spelled. And she could not get herself to call him by the right. That was hilarious. I wish that had been on tape. 
But old job, <laughs> tell you about old job here. You know, a lot of people tell that story like um, as if God came to the devil and said, Hey, Satan, have you thought about, uh, or as if the devil came to God and said, God, uh, I, I want to I get to Job, uh, but you won't let me. But that's not how it happened. Did you know that God called the devil's attention to Job? Now, the reason, the reason uh, Job wrote a book of the Bible uh, and the re- or has a book of the Bible, and the reason that Job was uh, God called attention to Job and got Satan to look at Job is because the Bible said Job was an incredible, amazing man of God. He eschewed or hated or despised evil and loved God with all of his heart. So the Bible says that God, that Satan, uh, God came to Satan and said, "Satan, have you thought about my servant Job?" And here's what. Uh, uh, Satan said to Job, and I'm not going to read it out of the scripture. I'm just going to paraphrase it. But uh, it says that Satan said, well, no wonder Job serves you. God sa- Satan said, uh, God, no wonder Job serves you. I mean, you, you've, you've, uh, you've been so good to Job, and you've, he's rich, he's wealthy. The Bible talked about how wealthy he was, how rich he was, which lets us know that God don't mind people being wealthy. Now, if you can't handle it, it's better that he doesn't let you be wealthy. The Bible tells us that too. But Job was a tremendous man of God and very, very, very wealthy. It's what you do with your money. Amen? And I won't preach on that, but that's a whole nother sermon. But it's worth looking at right there. He said, you've been so good to Job. And not only that, God, Satan says, you've built a wall around him. You've built a hedge around him. You've built a protection around him, which really lets you know God is more powerful than Satan. Because Satan knew, as long as that's there, I can't get to him. Which I think that's a principle worth pointing out. He said, but I'll tell you what, God. He said, you pointed him out to me. You take that hedge of protection away. You take that wall down. You take that wall down. I'll bring him down. I'll bring him down. And he will curse the day he ever knew you, God. That's what Satan said. So God answered and said, Satan, you don't know my servant Job at all. You just don't know him. He said, he doesn't love me because of what I've done for him. He doesn't love me just because the sun is always shining on his life. Job is not a fair-weather Christian. Now, I'm paraphrasing, but this is what God was saying. He said, I want you to know Satan, and I want you to think about yourself. I'm going to think about myself. He said, Job loves me because of who I am. He doesn't just love me because of what I do for him. And then get mad at me when, I, when he thinks I've not done something for him I ought to do, which we're guilty of sometimes. He said, so I want you to understand, Satan, I will do what you've requested. I will move back. I will remove my hand away, and I will allow you to have access to him to the point that you can take everything he has, but you can't kill him. That's what God said to Satan. He said, I'll let you do anything you want to to Job. He said, but you cannot kill him. And he'll love me, Satan. And he will stay with me. And he will serve me. He will not turn his back on me. And y'all know that story. I mean, Job's own wife 
told Job you ought to curse God and die. And then uh, Job's friends came to visit him. And the Bible says when they came to visit him, instead of doing like you ought to do and walking right up to him and laying their hands on him and praying for him, the Bible says they came in the room where he was and kind of stood in the corner and looked at old Job over there. He lost his money, lost his land, he lost his his uh, innumerable cattle, and, and that, that's the way really back then you measured wealth was in the livestock they had. He lost all of it. Bible says a tornado, wind came along, killed his whole family. There old Job was right by himself, didn't have anything, lost it all. Let me ask you something. If you lost everything, would you still serve the Lord? Would you still serve the Lord if you lost everything? I hope you can say amen to that. I, I ain't going to say amen to that right off the bat because i got to think about it a little bit. But that's, a, that's, that's an amazing thing to lose everything. And he lost everything, but the Bible says, and there are many quotes by Job, but one of my favorites is, he said to, about God, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. In other words, though God allow the enemy to have access to me, I will serve him, I will love him, I will worship him. He will always be number one in my life. I want to tell you something. Some of you, that's the key to some of you having victory in your life where you, you've not had victory. Is you've got to make up your mind. I don't care how things turn out. I love the Lord. I'm going to serve the Lord. I don't care how bad it gets. I'm going to trust God. I'm never going to. You can ask God questions, but you can't question God. So you say, I can't. I'm not going to question God. I'm not going to get mad at God. I'm not going to get bitter. I'm not going to get hateful. I'm not going to get grouchy. I'm going to love the Lord. If he'll help me, I'm going to go through whatever I go through, and I will not turn my back on him. Now, I know we sit here and we say, yes, amen, yes, I would do that, I would do that. Just hope that you don't have to do that. Just hope that you're never faced with that situation like old Job who lost everything. Now, the story of Job proves that when we praise God in the darkest hours, when we prioritize God, when we cling faithfully to God in the darkest hours, it will shut Satan's mouth. Because once he was delivered, you don't hear from Satan in Job's life anymore. He shut Satan's mouth. So number one, difficulties are an opportunity for you to shut the devil's mouth. You can shut his mouth. By how you react. Let's look at number two, and then we'll close. And I probably won't give you all the number two, but I want to give you just a little bit. Difficulties not only provide an opportunity to shut Satan's mouth, but difficulties also provide for us an opportunity to become more dependent on God. To be more dependent. To lean more on God. We're drawn nearer to God. Come on, y'all. You know it's the truth. It's going to be hard to say amen to, but you know this is the truth. I've been drawn nearer to God in my difficulties 
than I've been drawn to him in my blessing times. Matter of fact, my nature, when I'm being blessed, you know what my nature is? Is to skip my prayer time. My, my nature is to skip my Bible study time. And you know, I, I do, I do uh, uh, Bible study to preach, but then I have to do Bible study for me. And I'm going to tell you, Brother Mac, you know this, others of you that are teachers, your study that you do to present a lesson or preach a sermon, that's going to bless you. That's going to be good. You're going, but it's different than you saying, it's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. God, I don't want to just get up a sermon. What are you saying to me? What are you, I want, Lord, preach to me. I mean, preach to me when I'm getting up my sermon, but preach to me every day of my life and go, Pharaoh, this don't have anything to do with you, church. This has got to do with you, boy. It's got to do with you and where you are with me. So there's devotional time I have for me, and then there's Bible study time that I present my sermons. And i got to tell you all, just so you all feel good about it, he works on me both ways. <laughs> Don't matter why I'm studying the Bible, he works on me both ways. I've told you all before, I've had to do a bunch of repenting on some things he's told me to preach on because while he was telling me to preach on it, he was, kept saying, by the way, you're not doing it either. God will do that to you. And if you say, Lord, now, while I'm studying for this sermon, you show me now, you know, we're so humble. You show me, Lord, if I've got any problem in this area, can I really say that to him if I don't feel like I do? I'm really bold. And every single time he shows me where I'm not following through on the very same thing I'm going to preach on. Does he do it to you, Brother Mac? Does it to me? Jenny, I know he does it to you, all you Bible teachers, whether it's children you're teaching. How many of you, uh, we got our, our uh, missionettes, uh, our gyms, girls, ministry, we got our rural. You all know when you're studying that little lesson, God will speak to you even in that little lesson about your life, won't he? He'll do it. He'll do it. Thank God for it. So here's the deal. I grow more in trouble than I do when everything's good. And I wish I wasn't natured like that. And maybe one day I'll get to a place in the Lord I'm not natured that way. But right now when, when there's trouble and when you've got children, you've got grandchildren and you've got people you really, really, really love. I've got a cousin right now that I'm very, very close to that I love very, very much. And, you know, you know, some cousins you're really close to, it's almost like they're a brother or sister uh, more so than a cousin. I've got one right now. Her name is Elaine Normile. And Elaine was just, she runs a bed and breakfast at um, Emerald Isle. That's why I'm so close to her. So <laughs> get to stay there, discount. But um, she had a brain aneurysm. And it ruptured. And she's at Greenville fighting for her life right now. It happened about a month ago, maybe three weeks ago. But she's in Greenville Hospital right now fighting for her life. And they, they're trying to get her up, trying to get her walking. She loves the Lord, saved, sanctified, filled the Holy Ghost. Her daddy was a preacher. Some of y'all might remember Otis Penny. That was her daddy. And Tom Penny, you might remember him in the PFWB. And, and uh, that, that was her brother and her daddy. And she's a, a great woman of God, a woman of prayer. But she's going through difficulty. She's going through a hard time. And I and because she's going through a hard time and I love her, I'm going through a hard time. Not like her, but I'm going through a hard time too. 
Don't you suffer when the people you love suffer? And so, and so I'm, I feel like I'm standing in the gap for her. And I have other cousins and other family members and other Christians I'm not kin to or standing in the gap for too. I'm not trying to penny the roses on myself. I'm telling you, what I'm saying to you is when I'm having difficulty, uh, when I'm going through a valley, and it could be something personal that I've caused myself, or it could be something like this I'm talking about with my cousin that I didn't cause, but I'm still going through the difficulty of it, or something one of my uh, my son back when he was when he was living and he was uh, battling drugs and alcohol and all of that, and and it wasn't something that I did, even though the Satan will definitely work on you, won't he? Won't he? He'll work on you uh, and tell you you're the reason. And I'm no perfect daddy. I never claimed to be a perfect daddy. And I look back on how I brought Mitch up, and and I know I could have done some things better, and I could have done some things different. But but the valley we went through with him, and and the valley we've gone through, nothing y'all hadn't gone through. I'm not even pretend act like I've gone through more than you have. I'm not saying that. I'm just talking about my situation. It was during those hard times that I really prayed. It was during those hard times that that uh, I got down on my face and put my face in the carpet. It was during those times I didn't pray a King James prayer. Fathereth, I cometh toeth youeth. You know, I didn't pray pretty. I cried out. I cried out. I wept. I screamed. I soaked the carpet with tears and other fluids that flow when you're when you're weeping, uh, I, because I was desperate for what Millie was going through, and I was desperate for what my son was going through, and 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 I go through difficulties now. I've never been through anything like that. Thank the Lord. And then I can tell y'all about things I've gone through that just about destroyed me, and I'm the reason I went through them. I caused them. I want to tell you something. Whether you're going through something because of something that's going on in the life of somebody you love or whether you're going through trouble and you caused it, God will hear you. He'll hear you either way. He will hear your cry either way. I mean, God never one time looked down at me and said, I'm not going to listen to you because you did this. You did it, so I'm not going to hear your prayer. He heard me then just like I cried out when it wasn't my fault. He'll hear you. That's, that's for somebody sitting here today. I'm going to tell you, I felt that in my spirit. That's for somebody in this room today. Maybe you're going through something horrible and you caused it. Or maybe you're going through something terrible and you had nothing to do with it. God hears you either way. Now, Satan will tell you, well, he'll hear you about your cousin, but he don't want to hear you when you talk about your suffering because of your sin or something you did. He, he's not going to hear you. That's a lie. When you cry out in repentance to God for your wrongdoing, he will hear you and come to you just like he did when you were crying out because of something somebody else did. Am I making any sense? Hear the word of the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord today. So, so we see that 
we, we come to God and we dedicate ourselves to God more in the time of trouble than we do any other time. And Acts, which I try to use the least I possibly can, but I got two. I got a little axe and a big axe. And I've had them several years and they still look brand new. I just want to <laughs> let y'all know that. But an axe is not sharpened on a pound of butter. An axe is sharpened at the grinding wheel. That's where the axe is sharpened. Iron sharpens iron, the Bible says. You will not grow stronger if you're in that rose garden I mentioned earlier. If your life is just a rose garden all the time, you're not going to grow. But when you go through that difficult, difficult, see, when we walk through the dark seasons of life, it allows God to build patience in us. When we go through difficult times, it allows God to build, and some of us need this. I got to tell you something. If you've never been through dark, dark, dark hours of the soul, then you don't know how to understand when somebody does. You don't know how to understand it. But when you go through a dark time, God will build sympathy in you. Sympathy. You know, I try to be real careful when I look at situations because I had people say to me all the time when Mitch was going, I'll tell you if it was my young, I'll tell you what, if it was my child, I'll tell you what I'd do. No, you, you ain't got no idea what you do. You don't have any idea what you do till you get there and you're walking down the streets of Goldsboro in the worst part of town at 4 o'clock in the morning and you got to preach in about five hours hollering your child's name hoping he will hear you out of his drunkenness and his high on drugs. You don't know. And, and look, you, you go through things. I can't say, well, if I'd gone through that, I have no idea. If I ever walked in your shoes, I have no idea how I would have dealt with it. But I do know this. God will sharpen you. He will, give you. he will give you more patience. He will give you more sympathy. He will build your endurance, your perseverance. And I'll tell you what he'll do. He will humble you. If you'll let God and react to him in difficult times, these are the things he will do if you'll react the way you should. And I'm telling you, these good qualities, patience, sympathy, endurance, humility, these good qualities in a human being are hammered out in the time of difficulty. They're hammered out in your life in the time of disappointment. They're hammered out in your life in the time of sorrow and grief and loss. If you'll react to your difficulties the way you ought to, you will do more growing in your walk with God than any other time in your life. Now we're going to continue this next week. Let me give you one more verse. You know, I know what you are thinking. We almost made it. And then he saw one more verse. But let's do look at this real quick, I promise. Matter of fact, stand up. Let's all stand. Now, when I ask you to stand, that gives you hope, don't it? It gives you hope. Now, listen. 
In the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve disobeyed God, God came to them and said a very remarkable thing. And I want you to look at it in Genesis 3.17. Look at the screen. Then to Adam, God said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat of it, Cursed is the ground. God is saying to them, before you sin, it was going to be a rose garden. I'm telling y'all, y'all, y'all remember we preach about the millennial reign and how God's going to really, literally rule the world from the city of Jerusalem? Do y'all believe that's going to happen? Come on, we got to believe that now. It's real, it's going to happen. But do you know before Adam and Eve sinned, that's the world we had? Before Adam and Eve sinned, that's the world we had. And they decided they knew more than God did. And so they sinned. And he says, since you've sinned, I love you so much, I want you to come back to me so much that I'm going to curse the ground you live on for your what? Sake for your good. I'm going to allow you. You would never have had to suffer if you hadn't sinned. But since you chose to go your own way, I love you so much and I want to save you so much, I'm going to let you suffer every day to remind you that you messed up and you need a Savior. So when we suffer, and this is going to be hard, this is going to be hard. I should have quit when I was ahead. This is going to be hard for you to accept. It's hard for me to accept. Pharaoh, I love you so much that when you go your own way and you don't follow my way, you're going to suffer. And you're going to suffer as a reminder that you went your own way and you need to come back to me. That's what he did with Adam and Eve. And really it was passed down to all of us. So the suffering we go through, and I'll talk more about this next week, that the suffering we go through, ladies and gentlemen, is one of the greatest blessings of God. I know it's hard to say amen. But it's one of the greatest blessings of God because here's what it does. It says you messed up and you need a Savior. The worst thing God could have done to Adam and Eve after they sinned was left things like they were. Because they would have never come to God. They would have never felt like they needed God. Here's what they'd have done. They'd have said, you know, it's just as good as it was. I'm not going to go back to God. I mean, I sinned and everything's great. But God didn't leave it like it was. He said, every time you suffer. And look, not just, not just when I suffer, but when I see somebody suffer. When I see a person suffer. And, and I know they're good and godly people. It's God reminding me. Because man went his own way, they're suffering. Now, I'm not saying they're suffering because of something they did in particular. But all the suffering we see in the world today is just God reminding us we need him. I don't know about you all, but I'm so glad that he lets me see and experience suffering so I will know I need him. Am I making any sense? Does that make any sense? 
Let's all come. Would you just step out from where you are and let's close in the altar today. Think of the pain you go through. You might be going through it right now. And you might be going through pain and and hurt and suffering. Some of you have come to me this morning and told me of things that are going on in your family that you didn't cause it. It's not your fault. You didn't do it, but you've got members of your family that are suffering today because they chose their own way. And you're hurting this morning. And they're hurting. And you're weeping. And they're weeping. And all it is is God saying, turn to me. Turn to me. Now y'all, no matter how much we turn to him in this world, we're still going to have trouble. We're still going to have trouble. But one day we'll enter a place where suffering will be over. No more trouble, no more pain. And so God says, then it'll be as it was. As I wanted it to be, it'll be that way again if you'll just follow me. Father, help us today to hear the word of the Lord. He said, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. But when you do, when you do, you're going you're gonna to feel consequences from that. You're going to suffer consequences from that. You're going to lose your joy. You're not going to be a, an effective witness. God reminds us. He reminds us over and over again. Keep your eyes upon me. Turn your eyes upon me. Fasten your eyes upon me. Don't look to the left. Joshua chapter 1. Don't look to the right. Don't look to the left. Keep your eye on the word. That's what he's talking about there in Joshua 1. He says, observe to do all that the law says. The word of God. Don't turn from the word of God to the left. Don't turn from the word of God to the right. Walk straight toward God. Keep your eyes on God. Suffering will come. Suffering will come when we go our own way. And when people we love go their own way, suffering will come and it reminds us we need the Lord. Let your word be in us today, Lord. Let your word be in us. Let it change us. We sung about it today. Let us not just be people who say amen to the sermon and sing the songs. Let us do what we sing and do what we say amen to because in that song it said, I've been changed. I'm changed. I'm changed. God, if we will come to you, you will change us. You will mold us. You will make us. You will strengthen us. You'll help us grow in sympathy and patience and those qualities we talked about earlier if we keep our eyes on you. Now, Father, as we depart and go our own way, let us keep this word in us. We'll come back tonight at 6 o'clock. We're going to talk about sanctification. So God be with us in the service tonight. But let this word be in us in Jesus' name. Everybody said.
Let's sing this song right here as our benediction. Lead us, brother. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where Thou hast died. Draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord, to Thy precious bleeding side. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where Thou hast died. Draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord, to Thy precious bleeding side. Amen. Now, now as you go into the world, you're leaving here, you're going into the world, you're going into your workplaces and all of that tomorrow, and you're going to live your life. Let the word that was put in you today stay in you and reflect on it and live it. And let God, let God, he's a potter, we're the clay. Let him mold your life to be more like him every single day. Amen? You're dismissed. God bless you. Thank y'all for coming. If anybody likes special prayer, we'll be glad to pray for you before you go home today. Zona Church Incorporated, copyright 2023, CCLI number 988293.